Welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards here at First Baptist Jackson. And with me, as usual, is Evan. Evan, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> welcome to you, too. <laughs> there you go. Evan uh, is uh, 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 was here last week, was the host. Was it last week? It was two weeks ago. I, we missed last week. I was... Yeah. What is pseudo host? I, pseudo yeah, host. I, I was I was real quick fill in. All so. right, but you did a great job. Appreciate that. And and Bruce Turner is back with us. Yeah. Bruce is our director of youth ministries here at First Baptist, and uh, and we are so excited to uh, has tons of experience. I'm not trying to say he's old by saying that. Well, but I he, am. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> but we're we're excited to hear his insights today, and uh, and we are we've got a lot to cover. We are getting toward the end of the Word of God in our Bible reading. Uh, as always, if you want to pick up on our Bible reading, just go to fbcj.us and go to resources and look at Bible reading, and and we'll help. Uh, you can join in. Uh, you don't have to wait till the beginning of the year to start reading through the Bible. You can pick up right where we are right now. In fact, this is the this is an exciting time because mm-hmm. always at the end of the year we're in getting ready to go into Revelation. We're not there yet, but today we are looking at some of our favorite letters of John and uh, also Jude as well as Hosea the prophet. Mm. So we're going to look at what they have to say when we return here on Understanding Jesus. We're back at the Understanding Jesus podcast, and we are going to go through some passages that uh, stood out to us in our reading this week. We're getting toward the end of the year, which means we're getting toward the end of the New Testament, means we're getting toward the end of the Old Testament, and we cram all the minor prophets in at the very end, and uh, and then get, and, and next week, get into Revelation. So in mm. Revelation is how we will trip out the end of the year. So, um, But Bruce, I'm, I'm so glad you're here with us, yep. and so uh, share with us what you got, what you read uh, what what passage stood out to you, and then what you got out of it? Okay, well, I've been in First uh, John, and uh, I'll start with chapter two. It's kind of interesting with this because uh, sometimes the uh, the the uh, the way they've structured everything, you know, with chapters and verses, almost makes it, you know, you almost have to go back and look. And and that very end of chapter one is actually. Uh, is actually connected with this. In fact, it's a continuation of the same kind of thought. Mm. And so uh, I'm going to back up uh, a little bit here, if you don't mind, and um, and look at uh, at chapter one, verse six, and then we'll okay. go go right on. So yeah. uh, it, he says this: If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so uh, that's kind of a familiar passage right there, but I I love how blunt uh, John is with all with that whole thing. He's mm. he's not mincing words. He he's just saying, uh, you know, y- you are a liar if you if you if you say that you are uh, walking in the light and yet you're you're spending all your time in darkness. That's that just makes you a liar. Mm. And you might as well just uh, be honest with that, be upfront with that, and then uh, you know. 
you put yourself in a position where God can deal with the sin that's in your life so that the light might continue to, to, uh, you know, to be a part of, uh, of who you are instead of you continuing in darkness. And it, it goes even further than that to say, you know, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Mm. And so, uh, I think that's talking about a couple of things. Number one is our witness. I mean, if if we're walking out in the world saying, you know, uh, you know, claiming to be some kind of super Christian or whatever, but yet our actions and our life do not reflect that. Uh, it it shines. Uh, of, it, it doesn't give Christ a very good reputation because, as you know, someone has said, we are sometimes the only Christ that people will see. And so we're kind of making him they, uh, the liar. In other words, they can just discount the whole thing if what they see in us is counterfeit. Mm. And so that's, uh, I don't know what your thought is on that, but that's... No, I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. I, I, I love First John. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is, I remember somebody sharing with me, I don't know whether it was a school or wherever it was, but uh, that First John was probably a companion letter with the Gospel of John. And when you read the right. two together, you uh-huh. do see where one compliment, one kind of is explained, mm-hmm. kind of like the like a commentary on what the Gospel of John is, and so and and John was you know at that stage of life where he is just trying he, the Gospels, other three Gospels are already circulating, and he's trying to basically leave the church with something to say here's here's something really important that you need to have moving forward, and I think that authentic Christianity was probably something that was uh, in jeopardy at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I'm grateful because it's, that was something that was going to be in jeopardy for a long time. It will still is. It is. And, and, and I think, of course, the Holy Spirit giving him that kind of insight that this is something really important that the church needs mm-hmm. and, uh, and God communicating that message through him. But, uh, but yeah, I think that uh, it, it is, it, it, I think it's one of those that uh, if, you read First John, you can take certain things out of context. You have to read the whole thing. It's mm-hmm. because he, because you'll start out you'll start out by thinking, oh my goodness, this is a works based faith. If I don't, if I'm not right. being obedient, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to go to heaven, and that's what my salvation. And then, but because he he really balances this, you have a need to be faithful, but here is the incredible grace of God at the right. same time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So yeah, that's so, very good. Uh, so. As as we pick up then in verse uh, or in chapter two, here's what uh, here's how he starts it off. I mean, he's just sort of uh, kind of done a little chastisement up there, uh, a little bit of warning and a little bit of sternness there, and then he comes back with this term of endearment. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. I mean, mm-hmm. just very clear forward. Look, uh, look, I. I know we're we're all in the same situation together, but I am writing to you so that you, you get this, you know. But if anyone does sin, uh, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I mean, when I when I think about that, it's 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 almost like uh, when Paul is writing in Romans in chapter seven, and he talks about you know the things that I know that I should not do; those are the very things I do, and. Right. And all of that, and uh, and and if he had kind of left that, I, I always loved what Paul had to say there. Well, who will rescue me from this body of death? You yeah. know, and and that's the same thought that John is is uh, portraying here, is that you know we're not left hopeless in that in that sin situation, you know, in that unforgiveness situation. 
right. we have an advocate. And so uh, <clears throat> here's that $5 word. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, um, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, here's the word again, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So there's the measuring stick. There's the there's the mark. How, how do we know that we are in him? Because we have a desire uh, to uh, to follow him and to do the things that he did to to walk uh, worthy of his example. And when early in my um, Christian walk, uh, one of my pastors uh, used to say, you know, that a lot of people think that Baptists <clears throat> believe that you can get saved and then just do whatever you want to. And uh, mm. he he coined it this way. He just termed it this way. Well, that's that's kind of true. We have freedom in Christ, but when I became a Christian, God changed my want tos. I don't want to mm. do those things anymore. And I think that's a a real example of our, you know uh, of what this is saying. If if we still want to walk in the in the world, if we still have the same uh, desires uh, that we did before, if there's no change in us, if there's no, as Jesus said, you know, by their fruits, you will know them. And if there, if there is no fruit in your life, then it's a good barometer to say, well, do I really know Christ? Do I really have a relationship with him? I mean, Mm -hmm. your, your message Sunday uh, really should have been such an impactful thing. I, I, I would think, you know, uh, just the way it was presented and everything. That's why, I, I mean, I went forward to pray because I just wanted people who are sitting out there who who have maybe convinced themselves that they're saved or, mm. you know, or think they have some kind of relationship with God, but really don't. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, there's no one more lost than someone that thinks they're saved mm. and really not. And, uh, you know, that's why I love these verses right here that just talks about, well, here's the measuring mark. You know, it's not real hard to figure out. Right. And so, uh, so I'll kind of leave it with that. Well, no, you're, I mean, that is a, that is a great point. And that, and I think that, uh, so many of us, uh, in our, in our, it's, I think, I think one of the reasons why people don't respond is because they fear that, uh, what they fear other people knowing what they already think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is, they're not really sure about their own uh, salvation. And then to come forward is just to admit that to everyone. There is a, a huge amount of, um, well, just fear. Just that uh, I, I'm i afraid that these thoughts in my head, I'm not sure I am saved. I know the mm. things I've done. I know what God's word says, or at least I know most of it, or mm. part of it, or whatever, enough to be dangerous. And, and, and I have this guilt or this sense. And so either they're in denial and just say, I don't want to think about it, or they realize it and think, I don't want anybody else to know about it. I don't want mm-hmm. them to be aware that I am not where I need to be. So I'm right. hoping for a private moment, private time. I, I think they're they're standing there, uh, you know, wishing and and not. And the sad part is, is that you all you're doing is inviting them to be free. You know, right. you're just saying, I just want yeah. to give you the freedom that right. others of us enjoy. That 
that it is. I mean, that's what I, I and I love the my little children too because it is. Mm-hmm. It's like he's saying because I I feel like he's talking to me. Yeah. You know, and you just feel even at 53, you feel like small. Right. <laughs> and you have this this amazing uh, apostle of the Lord uh, knew Jesus and mm-hmm. speaking through him. Uh, you know, says, look, I'm just trying to help you here. I'm right. just trying to give you something yeah. that uh, you know that you shouldn't sin. I don't want you to sin. If you do sin, you've got an advocate before the Father. He's going to take care of you. Right. So, but uh, let's just, uh, but don't, but if you want to sin, you know, then you might ought to think that. Right. And, and the message is never for those people. For mm-hmm. people who want to sin, well, I mean, then I don't even know why you're here. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Right. I don't know why you are looking. Go sin. You know, if that's what you want. Go go for it. Yeah. It, it yeah. makes you wonder sometimes if, if maybe in, in some respects, uh, we've made that salvation experience uh we've cheapened it or made it too easy or yeah. I, I don't well, know. I think that is absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. And that's but, always been the case. I think yeah. and that, that's, that's what John is addressing here. Right. Uh-huh. And I think what, what people are looking for, we tend to want to give people what they want. And what people come to us looking for, uh, without us thinking about it, they they want us to give them permission to be who they are yet still go to heaven. Yes. And and there and and we give that to them mm-hmm. and we're never it's not mine to give I mean I think we we are like oh my goodness they they want Jesus and uh, there was a, a, a we were in um uh, uh I can't tell what country we were in. we were in another country <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in a Muslim country and we had uh, the name for Jesus in Arabic is Isa. But somebody had printed, transliterated Jesus into Arabic and put it on these little, we took pictures of these kids and put a sticker on it that says, Jesus loves you. Well, the name Jesus is not the name they have in the Quran. And so they didn't recognize that name. So they're like, uh, who is Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so one of our volunteers says, oh, Jesus is a, you know, this person, the son of God and he loves you and so forth. And, and she goes, Jesus loves me. Well, I love Jesus. And all the kids started chanting, we love Jesus, we love Jesus, you know, and all this other thing. And she was excited. And I said, I said, it's only exciting because they have no idea who they're talking about. And I I said, it's such a, but it was such a, a, this moment of clarity of, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, that's what we have in where we are, you know, Mm -hmm. is so many people saying they love Jesus, but they're only saying that because they don't know who Jesus is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I will never forget uh, a uh, revival that we had in in a church that I was serving in, and um, we had kids' night, and uh, this evangelist came downstairs, and they were doing hot dogs and Kool-Aid and all of that, and uh, so he lined all the kids up. I mean, these are little guys, you know. He lines all these kids up in a row and says, uh, uh, if you love hot dogs, uh, take a step forward, and... and uh, so all these kids step forward. If you love Kool-Aid, take a step forward. Um, and the next uh, question that he uh, presented was, if you want to invite Jesus into your heart, take a step forward. And of course, all of them. <laughs> they all did. And my pastor was absolutely furious yeah. uh, over that whole situation. And it created quite a mess because... You know, it's just not that. It's just yeah. not that simple. That is not the gospel. No, yeah. it's not the gospel. There yeah. you go. That's and that's uh and and yeah and we and we do we're we when we go to people and say, do you want to go to heaven? Well, that's not the gospel. Right. The everybody wants to go to heaven. <laughs> you know, right. do you want do you want your life to be blissful? 
you know, when everything would be great. The question is, is, are you aware that you're a sinner, you know, and that you're not going to heaven? Exactly. And that Jesus is the only solution, too. And are you willing to give up this life in order to get the life he has to give you? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that and that requires a little thought, you know, yeah. because you get to let go of uh, and that it's I mean, it's glory. It's glorious when it happens. But is uh, but it's like you said, it's uh, that that's and that's what he is saying. That's why I love First John because he's talking about mm-hmm. you, you. Either you're in the light or you're in the dark, right? And it's not relevant to the things you're saying. Well, and you yeah. can't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit if you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, right? Um, things like salvation, the right, um, are, and, uh, the well, there'll be evidence, the fellowship. Yeah. You yeah. see the evidence of God in a person. He's yeah. just describing this is what that looks yeah. like. All right, Evan. I really think that yeah. that so we're segueing into yeah, Evan. that segues straight into. So I, I'm gonna move the mic just. So. Okay, that's fine. There we go. It's going to not do what I want to, but all right. Um, verse 11 of chapter three is where I'm going to start. I'm just going to read that section and then just briefly talk about it and then I'll pass it off. So um, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who is an evil and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Um, do not be surprised, brothers, that we that the world hates you. We know that you have passed uh, of life or of death into life because we love the brothers whoever does not or whoever does not love abides in death everyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers um, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him how does god's love abide in him little children there's the little children again let us not love in, in word or talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are the truth and re, or we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn him or condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of of his son Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever he keeps his commands abides in God, and God in him. By this we know that he that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So the other thing I really wanted to outline here, I I think in our our world today we have a lot of different definitions of love and and what it looks like to um, love each other and and um, how different people can love. I I think a lot of ways in a lot of ways we've redefined what love looks like culturally. Um, we have, I, I mean, it, we all we all have different definitions that we see of love, and right. um, and uh, I I just think that this passage, I, obviously, we have stuff like First Corinthians thirteen and a few other passages like that that really outline what love lo- looks like, and and you know they're kind of almost cliche for weddings at this point. Um, um, obviously, scripture can't be cliche, but but almost <laughs> right. Um, but um, but here I think it outlines really well what it looks like to to love each other um, and what it looks like to not love one another. Um, in verse 15, you know, it talks about hating our brother is a murderer. And, um, you know, I, I, I've heard this for my whole life. You know, if you, if you hate someone, you've murdered them in your heart. Right. And, right. and it's, it's, it's an easy connection for me to make now, but, but um, the idea that, that hatred for another person, you know, that this, um, this anger towards them literally is us wanting them to die. And, and um and it makes us a murder in our heart and um and uh so that, that's the contrast to 
um, to that that we in in community should should love each other as God has loved us. Um, and that being one of the examples is that we give our lay down our lives for each other. So we we take our needs and put them behind the needs of the people around us. The the community aspect. It, and you're just talking about having the um, having the uh, claiming the gifts of salvation while yet not having any of the heart change or any of the life change that that reflects that. And and I think that that another piece of that is that one of the great gifts of our salvation and of our um, our adoption as sons into, into Christ's kingdom or into God's kingdom um, is that we have this fellowship, we have this um, this ability to put each other ahead of ourselves. Um, and without Christ, we don't we don't have these things. So um, I just think it's a really pretty gift that we get um, from God that we're able to have this fellowship that looks like that. Mm. So. Oh, very good. And you know, I I when you read through First um, John three sixteen, I, I I think you know we talked about being a partner partner letter. Um, mm. You have John three sixteen, which yeah. is um, for God so loved the world that He gave His only mm-hmm. Son, and uh, and then. In 3:16 of First John, it's uh, this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us, and I mm-hmm. think it's uh, I you know I don't think anything's by coincidence in that regard. But no. but I, but I think those are two those are two verses that are easy to memorize mm-hmm. and and to carry with you all the time. Mm-hmm. One in John 3:16 saying, "Here's what God did for us," and then the other is kind of an outpouring of you know, so this is what we should do for us now uh, for do for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, is to, we also laid down our lives for our brothers or sisters. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like it just segues into our own discipleship. Yeah. And I, and I I think that it's not an oversimplification when you say that this is the commandment that is the, the first and foremost that needs to be paramount in everything we talk about is our loving of other people and right. gauging <clears throat> that our Christianity based on how effective our love is and how how are we communicating God's love to others? How how is that manifesting itself through our lives? You know, it's not a religion. It's it is a, a relationship that mm-hmm. uh, Jesus has loved right. us, and now He's commissioned us to love others in His name. And and the rest of the Bible just basically feeds that. It's like, and here's how God loves us, mm-hmm. and so therefore here's how we love others. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think of of it a lot of in this phrase, in light of what you've done for me, how can I not love my brother? Mm-hmm. In right. light of what you've done for me. Not, not love yeah. my brother. Well, right. in addition to that, um, you know, Paul says to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Right. And our greatest example of love that Christ gives us is that he died for us. Um, right. He died for us. So, so in the same way, should we not do the same thing in imitating Christ? Right. And it's not taking a bullet for your friend. It's it's when you lay down your life, it's saying I my life no longer is important. Yeah. You're, I'm elevating. I'm submitting my life. I'm a living sacrifice. Yeah, and, In fact, that's the way the, way the Bible describes this, yeah, is that right. we are a living sacrifice. Right. Yeah, in, in the college realm of stuff that I've been doing, um, the and a picture of that would be, um, this is a very small picture, and, and <laughs> but, but, you know, it's a pocket-sized photo. Yeah, a very pocket-sized photo. Maybe maybe the little pencil pocket in your blue jeans. <laughs> but, um, but it's whenever, um, whenever someone is, a, you know, let's say a young guy struggling, and they um, it's 2 a.m. and they're like, let's say they're on on the edge of, I don't know, X sin. We'll we'll, we'll leave it that way because mm-hmm. it's probably easier than yeah. tackling everything. So, right. and and they they call you at 2 a.m. and it's it's answering the phone call instead of put like tell deciding to answer them the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, again, that's a very very minor image, but it it's giving up your sleep in that case instead yeah. of 
instead of sleeping through the whole night, you take that that 10 minute break of sleep to talk to them in a time that they're in a great hour of need. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, again, that is pocket size. Yeah, Yeah. that 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 is a very (laughs) not um, what what do you say? uh, Encompassing (laughs) example. Still very good. Yeah. So somebody calls you at 2 a.m. Don't uh, don't think that that's checked your box for the year. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a day by day thing. Yeah. yeah. What have you done for me lately? All right. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna go back to the Old Testament and uh, go back to uh, Hosea. Uh, Hosea is is the prophet that nobody wants to be, and <laughs> and that's uh, Jeremiah's bad, but Hosea. Uh, God asked him to do some really uh, difficult things and that he went and married a prostitute and then she abandoned him and then he had to go buy her back and uh, and forgive everything and move on. And, and God was trying to use his life to illustrate this is the relationship I have with Israel. Uh, and so the children that he had and, and so forth, all of it, uh, that he's the family that he's raising is just a, uh, Hosea is asked to mm-hmm. be a living portrait of how God is taking us back after we have cheated on him uh, multiple times. And so it's uh, what a what a tough thing to have to explain to your family. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. the, why are you marrying her again? Oh, God told me to do this. Um, but uh, the passage that I wanted to highlight specifically was uh, in, in Hosea chapter 10. He says, Sow righteousness for yourselves. And reap faithful love. Break up your unplowed ground. It's time to seek the Lord, and He until He comes and sends righteousness on you like rain. And uh, well, let me read, let me read from the King James or New King James. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted your in your own way in the multitude of uh, your uh, mighty men. That's uh, verse 12 and 13 for those. Are... Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh and the um, the thing that uh that fallow ground idea if you could think of it fallow ground is this hard un it's just real just hard hard ground. Uh one of the things that I discovered when I first started wanted to do a garden is <laughs> that uh you don't use uh like if you have a tiller that t- keeps the weeds out it's a whole different animal when you're breaking up ground for the first time. You've got to dig deep, and and it's really hard to break up hard, rock hard ground and so forth. That that, that where there's especially where there's been no rain, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the picture that he's giving. Uh, that um, that that you have this uh, this ground that is just so um, uh, solid, and and it is, and when you've been in church ministry for any time at all. You see this. You see churches that have just become hardened where there's nothing growing, nothing growing. And, and we call them dying churches and everything. But, but the truth is they just are, they're, they're still people who are alive, but they're not producing anything. And, uh, and, and we have – and this is an epidemic. Uh, we have churches all over the place who nobody's ever baptized. N- nobody ever makes a decision to follow Christ. Uh, missionaries are not produced, preachers are not produced. There's there's just people existing, uh, but they're spiritually they are they're, they're that's the way their ground is. And so so he's saying basically it's time to break up the and that's how Israel had become. And and when you read the Old Testament, understand this is just a, this is a this is not just about the Jewish people. This is about people. 
That's how mm-hmm. people are. And so we repeat these things over and over and over and over again. And uh, and if you read through um, Genesis, if you read through uh, all through Exodus and, and the and the books of the law, you read through Judges, you you you'll and then through Kings and, and Chronicles and 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 then through the prophets, there's something that should you should notice, and that is the mistakes that people make. They make them again and again and again and again. And there's a process of of people going away from God and coming back to God and going away from God and coming back to God. That and it's cyclical. And it that has never stopped. It is just the same thing is continuing on, and uh, and so you will see a generation that is very faithful, and then all of a sudden it's not faithful. And so when you, wherever you find yourself, when you see that 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 that's what has happened, that there is no fruit being produced, then it is time to break up that that fallow ground. Uh, mm. And and that's how. Uh, it, and he says. Uh, it's time to seek the Lord, and Jesus even said, "Seek first the kingdom of God, and I'll add all these things to you." And that's that's the reign that He brings, yeah. and He and He does. He brings, He comes, and He reigns His righteousness on us like rain to to then soften the ground to make it fertile again, mm-hmm. um, if we will sow righteousness. And right. and that's that's what He asks us to be faithful and do it. If you if you have plowed wickedness, and then you reap injustice. You eat the fruit of lies. Uh, you trust in your own way, and you and in your large number of soldiers. That's uh, what he's saying is is that we trust in in the resources we have. We don't we don't look to God. I remember somebody saying to me, you know, that we uh, when we get sick we go to the medicine cabinet before we go to God. Um, but uh, it's not a either or. It's a right. it's a both and. Uh, right. God should always be the first place we turn in our time of need. The fact that we do not just shows where our heart is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If It's kind of like your parents. If you don't turn to your parents for help, it's because you don't have the kind of relationship with your parents where you feel like you can either don't want to because you want to be independent of them, or you don't think you can because you don't think they'll help you, mm-hmm. uh, both of which are broken relationships. Right. And God says, do not have that relationship with me, but instead turn to him. Mm-hmm. I remember a a reference in in the Titanic where not the movie Titanic but just something that I've read that that said someone uh, asked the captain well what what can we do and the captain said pray and this person said has it come to that you know is it that bad <laughs> yeah so, yeah exactly mm-hmm. and uh, that's uh, I think that's we do wait for that last resort and and I I think that the um, recognizing the wickedness in our lives, recognizing that the the things that we're suffering from, um, and and this is it's so much easier seeing other people's lives than our own lives. But I've but I've I've had so many people come to the altar at different times, or come to my office, or call and ask for help, and they'll say, um, without saying it, as you talk to them, this is the story mm-hmm. that always comes across. My life is horrible. Everything's messed up, and I've done some horrible things. And I'm still doing some horrible things. What do you think I should do? And your answer is always, why don't you start by stop doing the horrible things? Right. <laughs> stop doing yeah. things that yeah. God doesn't want you to be doing. They are identified and, them too. And yeah. and it's and the answer is almost always, what's my other option? <laughs> <laughs> what else have you got for me? Is there something I can take? Something I can do? There's, in fact, they would be re- they would be willing to do some type of penance. Right. You know, can I give some money or can I give up a bunch of stuff or sacrifice, yeah. but I really need to keep this. I yeah. can't give that up. Yeah. And it's like, well, obviously I'm not, I'm not the one telling you to give it up. Yeah. I'm just pointing out to you 
the reason why you're going through this hardship is because you won't give that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing how uh, the same things that <laughs> that the prophet was saying here kind of ties into what we were just talking about that yeah. self-deception that yeah. that whole that whole thing this you know and the what we don't figure into that whole equation is god already knows it anyway he's just waiting yeah. for you to get it yeah mm-hmm. and, and then hosea and, and john are hundreds of years apart right. these are not these are not people these are not contemporaries with each other no but uh, in fact john would have been familiar with the things hosea was saying uh-huh. and the the glorious part for john is is john mm-hmm. saying now we have an advocate with the Father. Yeah. You know, before right. you were like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I'm not sure what to do. And and it was a miserable failure over and over and over again, which is why the people were longing for a Messiah. But we live in an age where the Messiah has come. Yeah. Now we have the Holy Spirit. We have the ability. That, now it's just insanely crazy that we would not right. um, turn yeah. to Christ and so forth and to his strength and look to him for hope. And well, We have a modern day example, too, um, of kind of the cycle it, it it's um less of people and more of agriculture but um if you look at Israel nowadays mm-hmm. you know they they um a few years back before I was alive of course um they said they it looked like a desert and it still got Evans, the youngest of the three of us so yeah just and, throwing it up here. yeah I sound like it too but yeah. um but but for a long time they thought that Israel's agriculture could never come back yeah. and and um now it started turning green again yeah and um and a lot of that's just you know they and a, a group that came in that desired to till the soil. And, yeah. and um, I think that's a good, a good picture of, of our own lives whenever things have grown stale and, and um, you know, our, our grounds become really hard and, and, and kind of unforgiving, I guess. Right. And um, instead, uh, it, when you till it, it becomes soft and, and fertile again. Yeah. And rain right. is such a huge thing. I mean, that's what people... One of the things that you really, uh, when you think about the blessing of where we live, mm. and when you when you go to North Africa and the Middle East, and you when you're in the airplane flying over it, it's all brown, brown as far as you can see in every direction. Mm. And then you fly across an ocean, and then the moment you get to the shores of our country, it's so green. Yeah. I mean, you just, I mean, it's unbelievably green and mm-hmm. streams and rivers. And for all the things that people say about, I mean, and, and we are so blessed with rain. Right. And uh, which I don't feel so blessed today with the rain, but it, but it is, but it mm-hmm. is such an, when you, when you see a world without it, you're like, this is what, I mean, so we're, that's what makes us, one of the things that makes this land so rich. Mm-hmm. Um, you go out west, it's not so much. I mean, you go out yeah. west and you, we were out first, we were at the Grand Canyon, you could see Lake Mead is dropping and dropping and dropping, and now Colorado River doesn't even make it to the ocean anymore. And uh, and it's like it's because they they're just trying to draw all they can <laughs> of that water out there. I'm not trying to paint a picture how unrighteous people out west are. Mm-hmm. I could maybe draw some conclusions like that, but uh, <laughs> but but there is a a sense of um. But you could, I mean, there's a reminder that this is something we are dependent upon God for. Right. And uh, when you begin to think we can make this happen, we can create our own reign, we can create our own a world without it. Uh, well, we can see evidence right. that that fails every that's time. Doesn't work. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, that's our. That's, that's all the time we have to discuss God's word. We're going to come back and answer a couple of questions really quickly uh, when we return. We're going to do a really brief question and answer moment, uh, and this is just a question that comes to me 
from multiple people over the years and so forth. And since it was in our reading, I wanted to take a moment to talk about it uh, because uh, Jude uh, brings forth some uh, pretty challenging uh, thoughts. And and one of the things that uh, it, it talks about is those who are being um, apostate. And, and so let me just read to you. It says, Dear friends, um, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly at turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Now I want to remind you, although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in, in deep darkness for the judgment on the great day. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual morality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, these people, relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. Yet when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they do not understand, and what they do understand by instinct, like irrational animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, have plunged into Balaam's error for profit, and have perished in Korah's rebellion. Now, that is so much <laughs> going to so many different places. Mm-hmm. Let me just kind of say something about Jude that also feeds into Revelation. Uh, there, are, the, the Apocrypha and the Pseudepigrapha are writings. The Apocryphal books are books that are not in the canon. And uh, and there's a lot of uh, Jewish writings that would have been familiar with uh, John and Jude and contemporaries in Jesus' day, people they would have been familiar with. And uh, and also the Pseudepigrapha, <clears throat> Pseudepigrapha means, uh, uh, has a false writing. They have what's called the Book of Enoch. Is one that's referenced here, and and uh, and these are books that uh, that were written and took a name, a popular name from someone in scripture, in order to uh, in order to make it more uh, people wanting to read it. it Validated. Was just, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so it's like a, it's like you're not going to read it if it says the book of Troy. You know, who right. cares about that? So I say the book of Enoch, and it's like ah, Enoch, I know that figure. I want to hear what. And so they would they made it much more. Uh, readable, but uh, mm-hmm. but the they are not uh, authoritative books. Meaning, when we talk about the 66 books of the canon. Those are the books that were affirmed by the church. We believe by the Holy Spirit in, in working through the church and validating. Uh, these are they all have an app, what we call an apostolic link in the New Testament, mm-hmm. and the Old Testament's validated by Jesus Himself uh, because we had the Old Testament when Jesus is here, and right. we we look at the books that He said. These are the this is the Word yeah. of God. It said the word of God again speaks to validate itself, uh, but uh, it all goes back to Christ and then Christ's apostles and then the apostles' word and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, so without going to a deep explanation of how we get to the canon, understand, well, why don't we, what did these mean and what does it mean when it's in the Bible? It's not authoritative unless God through the Holy Spirit has Jude take a portion of that work and then puts it into Jude, then whatever Jude is sharing is authoritative. Is You don't discount it from God's word because it is part of these uh, this apocryphal literature or pseudepigrapha. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, you, you, it is God in his Holy Spirit 
uses whatever was being spoken of in this uh, to uh, to be uh, part of his canon. But it's it, it's kind of like a, a way I like to understand it. It's kind of like when we talk about C.S. Lewis and and his works and so forth, and and you put that into a message and so forth. Those works aren't authoritative, but yeah. they do resonate with that which is, right. and they are and they are grounded in um in the Word of God, mm-hmm. uh, even though C.S. Lewis's works themselves are not authoritative. So. Right. Uh, in the same way that we love to read his books and Tolkien or whoever, whatever Christian authors you like out there. So, yeah, so, but but I'm saying that's that's how these books would have been to them. They were mm-hmm. things that they all read and they had they had truth within them. Uh, but the authoritative word is only uh, what we call the canon, the 66 right. books of the Word of God. So like uh like Pilgrim's Progress. Yes, again, but yeah, great work about John Bunyan. Yeah, yeah, so it's not authoritative, but oh, it, it yeah. speaks to the word. Yeah, they, they but if it had been quoted by Jude or James, then mm-hmm. whatever they quoted mm-hmm. uh, would be part of the authoritative word of God. But mm-hmm. but that's it. Yeah, just, right. that, just that portion. Yeah, I, at one point they said that um, Pilgrim's Progress and the New or in the King James Bible were considered to be um, the most um, consistent two books on our every person's shelf, shelf on their in yeah. their house. Oh. Yeah, so at one yeah. point. I'd say that is true. Yeah. Not, so, any, not anymore. It's different now. Yeah. Well, I'm saying I would, I'd say that those are uh, Pilgr- Pilgrim's Progress is a a solid Christian mm. book to that we still turn to today, but yeah. probably not as much as we have in times past. We need, we could get back to it. It'd be okay. Mm. Um. All right. Well, good. Well, that's all we got. Uh, that's our. That's all the questions we have time to tackle today. But we'll um. We got uh, a lot of possibly a lot of questions as we enter into the Book of Revelation. How exciting! So yeah. I, I I do I, I've learned to love Revelation. I used to avoid it like the plague, uh, but the uh, but now I've I've learned to uh, enjoy it. Uh, and just don't just don't get caught up in uh, just don't leave the read the Left Behind series instead of reading Revelation. <laughs> that's that's my word of wisdom for you today. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Thanks Bruce for being here. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, Evan, as always, and Austin, the engineer in the background there. And uh, we just uh, hope you'll be back with us next time as we look more to understanding Jesus.